Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today, this is episode number 57. We will be talking about a movie that came out last year that just hit Netflix earlier this month. That is Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Pretty wild movie. We'll get into that coming up here in just a few minutes. But first, before we discuss that movie and some other things, we just wanted to touch on the events that have been happening the past week, um, things that have been going on, protests and, and things like that, and just acknowledge them here on the podcast and know that you know we support the people that are protesting and we support what they're fighting for and, and all of that stuff. And I know, Katie, you, you feel the same way. Absolutely. We just thought it was appropriate to address this because we do stand with this movement. And um, although we are definitely for peaceful protesting, um, we thought it was best to just acknowledge this. And we try to make sure that this podcast is not um, political and that we don't push mm-hmm. a lot of buttons. But we do think this is very important. And Jared and I um, firmly support this movement and peaceful protesting of all kinds. Um, so we did want to acknowledge that. And uh, Jared's going to share some resources but we also thought that together as a team of two that we are going to continue to support um, films for the next month, for the whole month of June, that are all um, predominantly black cast or black filmmakers um, and thought that that would be our way of contributing because they do some phenomenal work as well. And a lot of it is accessible right now while you're still at home um, Mm -hmm. or home a lot more because of COVID. Yep. Then we'll touch on that a little bit more at the end of the episode, what we're going to be reviewing in the next couple of weeks. But if you do want to help out, there's obviously a lot of places that you can go. Black Lives Matter, you can donate to their cause at blacklivesmatter.com. GoFundMe, there is an official George Floyd Memorial Fund that was set up by a member of his family that is legit. And they've raised already $12 million, which is fantastic at the time of this recording. So you can find that on GoFundMe.com. Just search George Floyd and it will pop up there. And of course, there's other resources and other ways you can help out and donate as well that you can research. But those are just a few of the big ones right now um, that that fund. And of course, Black Lives Matter, obviously supporting them is is always a great thing, too. So there's just a couple different ways that you can donate. But I was really pleased to see the GoFundMe. Their, their goal was a million five, basically one point five million dollars. And they're already at twelve million dollars just to cover expenses wow. and other things that they need. To, you know, you have to take care of when a person passes away. So it's really great to see everybody coming together and donating mm-hmm. to that cause, which is which is awesome. So so those are some ways that you can donate if you would like to help out. And with that, we'll move into kind of some news real quick and then we'll get into our review of Uncut Gems. The only other the only news item I have today is regarding Tenant, which is still supposed to come out on July 17th. And the CEO of Cinemark, his name is Mark Zorati. Um, this is a deadline article, and he says, we've been in close contact with Warner Brothers, and they remain optimistic and positive, as well as Christopher Nolan, about the July 17th opening. So he still thinks that the movie will come out on July 17th. He also said, though, of course, it depends on the continued positive movement due to the decline of COVID-19 and government restrictions being reduced. So he's positive, though, that Tenant will be out on July 17th in about a month. So I, I guess we will see. <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm a little, I'm a little wow. surprised that that would actually happen. I don't think it will. I don't think there'll be enough movie theaters open for them to make enough money off of it. I don't know. It just seems weird to re- to get it rolling I mean, in a month. At this point, 
At this point, I don't feel comfortable seeing it in a movie theater either. Yeah, like even if so it's at fifty percent capacity and social distancing and all that stuff takes yeah. place, I don't know if I'm comfortable sitting in a room for three hours with you know those people. Yeah. So just because of the way it spreads, they say the more yeah. contact you have and the longer you're in an area can have a bigger effect. Mm-hmm. So I think that's definitely one thing that we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But again, that was the CEO of Cinemark saying he was he was remained confident that it would be out. On July 17th, but we will see. Um, before we get into our review, too, we just wanted to talk about some of the things that we've been reading and watching during this time. Katie, I know you read another book and you've been watching some stuff on on Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that, too. Yes, Jared, I just can't help myself. So I read a book called The Holdout by Graham Moore. It was a book of the month club pick and it was bright red and red and pink are my favorite colors. Um, But Jared, the screenwriter for the movie The Imitation Game was Graham Moore. So he wrote this book. I had no idea going into it. The book was really good. There was a, a lot of high praise for it, at least for a book of the month club reader. So I I had high expectations. It did meet them. I will say if you're looking for a straight up thriller, this is not necessarily that, but this is super, this is more like a thriller, but it's, it's primarily a legal drama. Like all of it takes, takes place surrounding this one court case um, that happened a number of years ago. And these people have come back to actually be filmed and like interviewed for a show or documentary about it, like a docuseries. Um, but it was really good. And then Jared, I feel like I'm a crazy person because today I, excuse me, was just thinking about all the books I want to read because, you know, this quarantine is not, it's not going to go on forever and we have to go back to work. Some people mm-hmm. are already back to work. Um, so I'm just thinking like there's going to be commuting time, getting ready for work. So I'm still trying to plan for how many books I can read in a month. Anyway, I set out literal stacks <laughs> in my apartment to see how many books I could get through because I've already passed my goal for the mm-hmm. year, but I re- I want to reread all of okay. Harry Potter. So your birthday month, September, I've set aside for Great. Harry Potter. And then, um, but I put all my like book of the month books out. I put out books that I've had on a bookshelf for like a year or two that were bestsellers then, but now they're a couple mm-hmm. years old. So anyway, I will keep you tuned in on that, but I took pictures so I could actually remember like okay. what books I said I was going to read for the next few months. And the second half of the year, I plan basically from October okay. on. So only a couple months. I plan to focus on classics. So some more difficult books. I'll probably be reading less Mm -hmm. books, fewer books, excuse me, fewer books. Anyway, and then the last thing, I am still obsessed (laughs) with 90 Day Fiance, but Jared, I've watched all five seasons. So now I've moved on to Happily Ever After, which really should be said Happily Ever After because it's (laughs) a question mark at the end. And let me tell you, spoiler alert, a lot of these couples are not happy. And I watched Space Force which I think you said you were interested yeah. in. So I wanted to let you know okay. I watched all of that Good already. To know. Uh, yeah, I do love yes. Steve Carell. It's from the same guy that created The Office, the American version, at least. Ricky Gervais created the British version, which, you know, they kind of oh, copied yes. off of. But yes. Greg Daniels, who worked on The mm-hmm. Office for a while, and Carell are together. And I've heard mixed things that some people really love it, some people didn't. Um, the humor, I think a lot of people too, for some reason they hear Steve Carell, they hear Greg Daniels and expect it to be like, just like the office. And when it's not, I feel like they Mm -hmm. get disappointed. And I know, I knew it wasn't going to be that right off the bat. So I'm interested to see how it is, but I'll probably check it out sometime soon. So I've been watching other movies and catching up on some other 
things to trying to just watch like I don't know I've been more um, I guess attracted to like comedies and stuff during this time just to kind of get some lightheartedness and too. things like that so I will watch Definitely. that I'm still watching Shit's Creek on Netflix with uh, Eugene and Dan Levy <laughs> um, and Catherine O'Hara yep. which is great so I'm in season three of that I think there is six seasons I believe so that's awesome you're speeding right along I'm trying to those episodes are really short though they're only like 20 minutes so it's it's really great to just pop on, um, you know, when you're making well, dinner or something. <laughs> yes, I, I want to say you were I mentioned in another episode, you were the one that got me into 90 Day Fiance, but it's been perfect for me because it is it's kind of that I'm, it's not lighthearted to them, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously, because <laughs> they have to deal with a lot of paperwork and visas and all that stuff. But and and marriage and serious commitments. But it's so it's perfect for this time for me. Like, it's exactly what I need to watch. You don't have to pay a great amount of attention. I feel like you get invested, but it's not depressing. So I love it. And then I wanted to tell you Space Force. I'm definitely like a mixed review okay. person. It was well done. And Carell is perfect. He really is. The cast is outstanding. I did think it was something where I didn't even need to devote all of my attention. And I still got the gist of the whole thing. Um, I thought the ending was extremely abrupt, like to the point where Arjun and I said, was that the end? Okay. Was that the last episode? We thought there was another episode. And then also John Malkovich is in it. I don't know if I voiced it on this podcast, but I know I voiced it to you. I can't stand John Malkovich and he is in the entire okay. thing. So that was unfortunate for also me. I also have to give a uh, shout out to Ben Schwartz because uh, like a year or so ago yes. when he had a Netflix movie coming out with Noel Wells that was on Netflix, they did a movie together for a movie called Happy Anniversary. But I got to interview him on my radio show to talk about that. So what? he could actually be literally called a friend of the podcast because we have talked to each other for like 10 minutes so oh my gosh thank you so much ben schwartz shout out and john malkovich if you listen i'm sorry i just don't something about you scares me half to death during the interview he was very much just like he is on any show that he's on pretty much just like you know Mm -hmm. wild and very upbeat and funny and stuff like that so he was fun to talk to though that's awesome Um, so yeah that's what i've been i've been watching 90 day fiance too, just the regular seasons of it and then the books i'm reading Still reading The Fifth Wave, which is still interesting. And I have this bad habit where I will start a book and then stop it and then come back to it like months later. Um, Just I don't know why I do that, but I just do. So one book that I had been reading um, before this all started and now I've kind of picked it back up again. And I would recommend it if you're a fan of TV or uh, The Daily Show. But it's The Daily Show, the book, which is an oral history, um, which (gasps) goes through the entire history of The Daily Show. It came out a few years ago. If you don't know, of course, The Daily Show hosted by Jon Stewart, now hosted by Trevor Noah. Um, I don't know. I haven't gotten to the end of the book yet, so I don't know how much Trevor Noah is actually in it because that would have been he would have taken over after this book came out. So I don't even know if he's really in it at all. Um, but this is mm-hmm. kind of interesting how they put the whole show together and it has other people interviewed in there like Steve Carell, like John Oliver, Stephen Colbert, people that were on the show as correspondents and helped out and things like that. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a really interesting read, and it's a that's it's an awesome. oral history. So, um, if you like those type of books where people are just it's more interview style, that's pretty. That's uh, how this book happens. So, I really enjoy it. So, 
Wow. I would be really interested in that. I'm going to add that to my yes, Goodreads uh, list. Thank you for the recommendation. I will say you can normally find it at Half Price Books. So if you would like to uh, okay. check it out there, you can. And speaking of Trevor Noah, we also should mention <laughs> Trevor Noah's book, uh, Born a Crime, is a great book as well. So even though he's not in the Daily Show book, his book, Born a Crime, is really, really good. So definitely check that out too. The year that came out, that was one of my favorite books of the okay. entire year. Like easily, easily top 10, probably yeah, top five. It's a very good book. So yeah. very good book. Um, okay. With that, we'll get into Uncut Gems, which was released on December 25th of 2019. It's rated R. Let's just say this is a, uh, this is a strong R rating. This is definitely not one. It's a hard, it's a hard, R, hard R. Definitely not one to watch with the kiddos for pervasive, strong mm-hmm. language, violence, some sexual content and brief drug use. Also just general feelings of anxiety and stress the entire time you watch the movie. So <laughs> if you enjoy that, great. Uh, it's two hours and 15 minutes. <sighs> it is a little long, but I will say the characters in the movie talk very fast. So I feel like they were trying to even fit more into yeah. this and they had it real like this. The way that Adam Sandler's character talks, he talks very fast. So um, that's kind of how that plays out. And IMDb 7.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes critics 92%. A lot of critics like it. Audience 52%. Not a lot of Audience. Please yes. note how many people voted yes. for this, though, because critics only yeah. 320. Audience 12,000. So definitely a larger sample size so. for the audience. Yes. Yep. And also, this is if you're new to the podcast, welcome. <laughs> um, Jared and I are very good friends, like very close friends, but we also usually agree yeah. on things. I think this will be a very exciting episode because I think this is the first movie we strongly deviate. I from think each so. Other. This is like so, the first one. Very exciting. We're not. There's not going to be bloodshed or threats, but I just want to let you all know we disagree <laughs> on this film. And box office wise, it made fifty million dollars <laughs> on a nineteen million dollar budget, distributed by A twenty four. We've done a lot of their movies on the podcast before. Um, they usually are very highly acclaimed, get Oscar nominations. Some of the better independent movies if you will smaller budget movies that come out Mm -hmm. during a year are normally a 24 movies so we do talk about them a lot the synopsis if you don't know is with his debts mounting and angry collectors closing in a fast-talking new york city jeweler risks everything in hopes of staying afloat and alive and that is obviously played by adam sandler his character's name is howard ratner we'll talk more about him coming up in a minute but first the critics reviews for this movie first up we have adam graham of the detroit news who says it's a breathless journey that captures the exhilaration and the hopelessness of living life on the edge. It's just a gamble that pays off and then some. So one one of the positive reviews there from a critic. Next up is James Bernadelli of Real Views, who says the Safties, who are the ones who directed this movie, their brothers, Josh and Benny, the Safties have a preferred aesthetic and mood and remain true to it throughout. For those who appreciate this sort of modern day neo-noir experience, it gleams as hypnotically as the titular totem. So that's another review. And then Andrew Lappin of NPR says it's the right movie for the right person at the right time. A thing of strange beauty forged under a mountain of heat, pressure and irritation. I like that because he's kind of comparing it to how diamonds mm-hmm. are get made. So that's and it's exactly. about diamonds. So that is I like that one. And then finally, we have Matthew Bond of The Mail on Sunday, which is from the UK, who says in some quarters, this has been declared some sort of minor masterpiece. Me, I'd say it's hard to imagine a more uncomfortable way of spending over two hours in the cinema and advise you to avoid it. Shock ending and all. 
So Matthew, not super positive yeah. on this one. <laughs> No. <laughs> and as we mentioned, it's directed by the Safty brothers, Josh and Ben Safty. Um, they've directed a lot of different stuff. Um, and similar to Adam Sandler, they are of Jewish Russian descent and grew up in Queens mm-hmm. in Manhattan. Jewish uh, customs and culture does have a part in this movie, which I know Katie is one of your likes. There are some interesting things that they cover Indeed. in this film. Um, they also directed Daddy Long Legs, Heaven Knows What, and Good Time. They're probably best well known for good time which i have not seen but came out in 2017 starring robert pattinson that was pretty popular again a smaller more independent movie but was pretty well received by critics and and audience and things like that so that's probably the one you would know them for the most besides this one and they do have another movie called Goldman versus Silverman, and it's supposed to come out this year but who knows? Because of coronavirus. <laughs> Who knows? It's anyone's game at yes. this point. So we'll take a quick break here <laughs> on the Silver Screen Podcast, and then we'll get into our likes and dislikes and the cast for Uncut Gems. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about Uncut Gems, which is now on Netflix. And we're going to talk about some members of the cast now, starting off with, of course, Adam Sandler. Yes, Adam Sandler is the main character, I would say, of this film. I'm sure you all know him. He plays Howard Ratner in the film. He is probably best known, I'm guessing here, but for The Wedding Singer, Waterboy, uh, Big Daddy, and also was on Saturday Night Live. He's been in a ton of other films. I know you love him. I know you know him. Um, He recently starred in Murder Mystery on Netflix. I wanted to point that out because it's still on Netflix, and I really liked it. So I would definitely recommend that film. And then he has several upcoming projects listed, and including a voiceover character in Hotel Transylvania 4. It's crazy that they've done four of those. Those are also some of his highest grossing movies, the Hotel Transylvania series of movies. So kind of wild. I've never... I should probably yeah, watch one. Yeah, I haven't one. seen any of them. Um, but if they're <laughs> going to make either. a fourth one, people obviously like them. So, <laughs> yes. Next up, I'm very excited. We are talking about Lakeith Stanfield. <gasps> we haven't had a crush alert there in a while, but I definitely wanted to get one in for Lakeith. So Lakeith plays Damani. Unfortunately, Lakeith plays a slew of bad guys. Like mm-hmm. almost every movie I've seen him in, he is a villain of some sort. Uh, you've seen him in Knives Out, Short Term 12, which is another A24 film, and also the movie Sorry to Bother You. And he had a part in Get Out as well. Again, he was creepy and a villain. He has several upcoming projects, but all of them are currently listed as untitled, so I can't tell you the names of them. Um, But he recently was in a movie called uh, The Photograph that came out right before COVID, and it was co-starring Issa Rae, who we talked about in our last episode about the Mm -hmm. lovebirds. Well, yeah. And um, he, I was going to say The Photograph, I don't think it did well. I looked just quickly on IMDb, and at least it didn't have great scores, um, but it did. It looked like a romantic film that I would like. So anyway, but COVID happened, and I never went to the theater to see it. I will say Lakeith Stanfield, probably one of my favorite younger actors that is acting right now. He's 28, so he's Mm -hmm. definitely on that younger side, kind of around our age, but everything he's in is really good. His roles are really good and everything. Um, Obviously, Saoirse is probably going to be still my favorite younger actor actress because I just adore her but <laughs> you love but Keith her. is is really good in everything that he's in and I think the first thing I saw him in was get out yeah. but like you said knives out and this movie he's really good and sorry to bother you he's also really great in that too so yeah and I I'm obviously biased because I do think he's really good looking <laughs> but I think he has got a really 
like classic face where you could put him in a movie in the 1940s mm-hmm. and he would fit just as well as a movie in the 70s versus now. Like, I really think he does kind of have a very classic and face. And he plays very different, even though he plays kind of the bad guy in a lot of movies, he plays very different types mm-hmm. of that character. So Knives Out is definitely more of like an old school classier like you said the 40s kind of vibe of things and then you know in this movie he's obviously more current and kind of plays a different type of villain character yes and then lastly we have Idina Menzel I'm pretty sure sure that you've all heard of her she plays Dina Ratner so she is the wife soon to be ex-wife of Adam Sandler's character in the film she is of course best known for being the voice of Elsa in Frozen and Frozen 2 I honestly don't think anything is ever going to surpass that in her career even though she is has been on Broadway and a ton of other wonderful films Um, she was also in Enchanted and Rent And she is rumored, Jared, I saw this and I was so excited. <laughs> she is rumored to be the wicked stepmother in the musical version of Cinderella that is due out in 2021, which again, I'm not going to hold my breath mm-hmm. for that date. Um, but they also have listed so far in the cast, Billy Porter and Camilla, Camille, sorry, Camila Cabello. I always mess her name up because it's beautiful, but it's like too much at once for me. And so, she gets anyway, pissed if you pumped. mess her name up. So... I, yeah, I'm never, I'm probably not going to interview no. her, but maybe, maybe she's a friend of the I don't podcast. Know. I say her Who name knows? a lot on the radio, um, but yeah, I always have to make sure I say it. Camila Cabello. Yeah. I love yeah. her music. Um, I don't know about her as a human, but let's not get into it. But the film, this film that we're talking about also stars Keith William Richards, Kevin Garnett. You heard that right. In case you haven't seen it, we are talking about the basketball yep. player. Julia Fox, The Weeknd. Yes, we are talking about The Weeknd, the singer. Judd Hirsch and Eric Bogosian. So it is a stellar cast. I will give them It really that. is. And right before we get into our likes and dislikes, I just wanted to mention with the Cinderella movie, did you see who else is going to be in the Cinderella movie, Katie? One of our personal favorites. No. Playing Stop it, Chris no, Pine. Playing Footman slash the mouse is none other than John Mulaney. So <gasps> <laughs> No, be still my heart. <laughs> so he's gonna Oh my god. He's gonna be one of the three he's mouses like uh, or mice in the movie. Amazing. So, and James Corden is also Amazing. playing a mouse. So that yes. makes sense. So mm-hmm. th- he is in it though. I just happened <laughs> to get on the, the IMDB page and saw that, so had to point it out because John Mulaney is is obviously yep. great. So he will be in that movie in 2021 if it comes out then. Hopefully it does. That's awesome. Yes. Okay, so now we get into our likes and dislikes for un- Uncut Gems. I really <laughs> like this movie. I saw it when it came out in theaters around Christmas time when we could still go to the theaters and everything. Um, and I saw it with one of our good friends, Will, who we both, who loves movies. And Oh, Will introduced yes, us. Yes, he did. Sees a lot of movies and stuff like that. So we went and saw it together when he was back here in Indy for, he lives in California now, but he was back for a couple weeks visiting family. So we, we got a movie in. Um, and I, and me and him really liked it, but I know you were kind of differing on that. So we'll just kind of talk about that more. I will say one thing that we Ooh. both like is that we both were impressed with Adam Sandler's performance. I think this is definitely a different style of role for him. He normally plays something more comedic, more loose, more kind of casual. And this is a very serious movie. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of big consequences that happen in this film. 
and he is the lead character, but I think his acting in this is really good. It really made me respect him a little bit more because some of the past movies he's come out with in the past few years I don't think have been great um, just in terms of the writing and, and stuff like that. But I think, like you said in our notes here, like when you give him the right material and the right script to work with, he can be a really good actor. Yeah, somebody, I do feel bad. I didn't give credit, so I didn't do the exact quote. But someone was saying um, he gives a formidable performance when he's given the right material. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a beautiful way to state that because I, I don't think he's like, the actor of our generation. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Adam Sandler fan as far as like, I have never lined up to go to one of his Mm -hmm. films. I'm not like dying for his next film. I've heard wonderful things about him um, as a person, which I really admire. I appreciate and respect that he's a family man. Um, I, it sounds like he's really good to cast and cruise when he's on those. I mean, who knows what's true or not, but as far as that, I like him, but I've never really seen a film with him and just loved it. I really liked murder okay. mystery. With Jen Anderson. Um, I do remember cl- okay. click. Yeah, I do remember click. I kind of liked click. I've seen a lot of his movies. I laughed a lot at Billy Madison, yeah. but a lot of his movies, I, I feel like I don't need to see it cause they're very formulaic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved seeing this different side of him. That is my very roundabout way of saying I was super impressed. I thought that he was good at, I mean, keeping up with the very quick dialogue and actually being giving this like gritty performance. Um, that was one of the only things I liked about the film, (laughs) but I will say like, I was super impressed with that. And I get why people were praising his performance and at least giving the tiniest bit of Oscar buzz. I get it. So I am behind that all the way. Um, I will say when you talked about the movie thing, I laughed because I even said when I was watching the film, I wouldn't have paid to see this in theaters or if I had, I would have been. Okay. Good to know. So yes, I'm sorry. I just, it's okay. So yeah, Adam Sandler for me, I've never, I've never (laughs) really loved any of his movies. Um, I think there, some of them are Mm -hmm. good. Um, but his type of humor just isn't really my type of humor. Um, I just don't really love that type of you know, gross out physical Mm -hmm. type comedy stuff. I'm more the witty type comedy dude. So um, that's nothing against him. It's just that I'm not really a huge fan of like his movies, but that's not mean he's not a good actor or anything like that. He's obviously been very successful throughout his career. So, but he's very good in this movie. No other like that you have is that we talked (laughs) a little bit about how the Safdie brothers are Jewish. Adam Sandler is obviously Jewish and there's a lot of Jewish culture that is played out in this movie. Like one scene they're having a dinner um there's some other things that play out throughout the course of the movie but you liked how they incorporated that into this story yes i was so impressed with that scene that was actually one of my favorite parts of the entire thing now i can't tell you i don't think they even said what that particular occasion was for the dinner like i don't know if it was a passover or what but it was beautifully done and it was cool to see I won't ruin it um, but it was cool to see there were some connections maybe between some members of the family being nefarious and up to no good Uh, but I love the way they shot that scene Um, I enjoyed seeing the culture like how they went and talked about uh, the different plagues that I've read about in the Bible Mm -hmm. before so that was fascinating I I thought that was really important to include in the film Uh, I think it was absolutely one of my favorite parts and then the other thing that you brought up something about oh i read about adam sandler he is of russian and jewish descent and so are the safety brothers which i thought was super cool they are actually of the same like really do have a lot in common grew up in similar areas and stuff 
So I thought that was fascinating. And I also really appreciate that to their credit that the Safdie brothers and Adam Sandler are really proud of their heritage. And we will say, too, that from this point on, it's going to be kind of hard to talk about this movie without discussing spoilers. So just because of the way it plays out and the ending and everything like that. So if you would like to watch Uncut Gems and not figure out what happens in this podcast, then (laughs) go watch it and come back and listen to the rest of this episode, because I can't guarantee that we're not going to spoil spoil something from here on out. So another Mm -hmm. like that we both had of this movie and one of the overall likes that I've seen from a lot of critics and things like that is that it does a really good job with tension and building that tension and really keeping that tension throughout the whole movie. A lot of movies that you will see, you will have, you know, tension for a time and then it'll die down for a little bit and then you'll get more tension and then it'll kind of die down for a little bit. But this movie, it's just tension all the way. It kind of reminds me in some aspects of like a Scorsese movie. Like I kind of think a Goodfellas one. I think of this movie because Goodfellas that last hour is hour and a half is just like nonstop craziness happening as well. So I definitely think that there's some similarities there between the two directors, but it does really have intense moments, you know, from the very beginning all the way throughout. It never really slows down like at all. There's always something going on with Howard's character that he's he's dealing with. Um, also, did you know that Scorsese produced I did not. It? No. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is another thing. This, okay. So I felt like this was another reason where ultimately one of my dislikes was that I felt like I figured out the end long before okay. the end. And I kept thinking this isn't going to happen. And you had told me the only thing you had told me, like I hadn't even read a mm-hmm. description about it. I knew he was a jeweler and okay. that was it. But I knew you said, don't watch this on a day where you are really stressed out and that there was tension, yeah. like anything to do with tension. Don't watch this movie that day, which I thought this movie is probably bad for a COVID time. <laughs> but also um, I saw that Scorsese was I believe he's an okay, executive okay. producer. And once I saw that, I was like, OK, this is going to get violent, graphic and crazy which is fine. I just know that typically it is safer to associate that with Scorsese than to think of the cute like Hugo or something like that. So anyway, I knew by the end it was going to get insane and it did. Um, But I was irritated because I almost felt like just seeing his name ruined it for me because they put it at the beginning and I I just was like, well, I know how this is going to go. But I was going to say the tension, that was definitely a positive for me. But Jared, I don't know if you saw my note and I hope I don't trigger anybody. This is a drug reference. But I said I felt like the tension never stopped. And by the end, I never was relieved of the tension. If I wanted to feel that on edge with no end, I would snort cocaine until my heart exploded. (laughs) So (laughs) if that's and I do not do cocaine, but I've heard of it. Um, So I was just going to say, if that is a feeling you love, definitely watch this movie. But if you're like, I can't deal with it, or maybe right now is not the right time for that, please don't watch this movie. Also, a little bit of trivia. (laughs) Did you know who was supposed to be the lead role before Adam Sandler? Have you looked this up? Okay, it was supposed to be Jonah Hill. No. So Jonah Hill was supposed to play the lead in this movie. (gasps) Oh, he would have been. He really would have been good. That's what I thought. Is like he would have been good as this character too. So basically, the directors. But it's too Wolf of Wall Street. Sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. No, I interrupted you. I was going to say to me that would have been too Wolf of Wall Street, Mm -hmm. like too much like that character. So I think it was excellent. And Adam Sandler too. 
He doesn't need help with his career, but this is such a great career move for, in my opinion, to go from like doing his slapstick stuff that I hate to doing dramatic. This was great. That was a very smart decision. And apparently, too, the directors, the Safdie brothers, approached him to star in the movie. However, Adam Sandler's manager rejected the script before he got a chance to read it. Um, and then like a couple Whoa. years later, Adam Sandler came back and said, yes, I will do that. So... I think that was kind of like wow. his manager being like, this isn't the type of movie he normally does. And I feel like Adam Sandler mm-hmm. was like, I kind of want to do a movie like this because I don't normally do this type stuff. I want to try it yeah. out. So I think, that, I was think smart. that was smart. So some other likes I had about this movie, because I know that's pretty much all of yours. Um, I do yep. really like Kevin Garnett. I think his performance is really good in this. As athletes go, sometimes they aren't the best actors in movies um, just because they don't. That's not what they do for a living. They don't act. They play sports. So I thought he was really good in this movie. Him and Sandler have really good chemistry together. Um, Sandor is obviously selling him the mm-hmm. opal um, and then has to get the opal back from him. So I thought he was really good in this movie. I'm trying to think other good athletic performances recently. The one I think of is like LeBron James in Trainwreck because um, he's pretty good in that. And obviously LeBron James <laughs> is going to be in Space Jam whenever that Space Jam 2, whenever that comes out. So but I thought KG was really good in this movie. I also thought it was cool that he just played himself. He wasn't playing a different character. He was just playing mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett. So just, you know, guy that plays for the Boston Celtics, just a normal dude. So that was kind of cool. Stars, they're just like us. They really are. Um, I also wanted to (laughs) highlight the script because I think the script is good. But uh, in its writing, because all those like wild bets that Howard places, they all have to have consequences and they all kind of have to connect. And I think the script does a good job of making all those seem believable, like those things would actually happen. Um, So that definitely is another positive for me. Um, I know you don't like the music in the movie. I like the music in some spots. I don't like it in others. I think it builds tension at some times, but sometimes it can just get kind of annoying. So I'm I'm split on the music for this one. Some parts I really like it. Other parts, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, Another like I have is I like the jewelry store, kind of how that's laid out and the set design of that. Um, It's very tight in that store, like very makes you just feel claustrophobic when you're watching it. And I think that's what they were kind of trying to go for since the movie is so tense and, um, you know, anxiety filled and action packed and stuff like that. So I think they were trying to create that tension, especially when you have a really tall dude like Kevin Garnett get in there and it's just like mm-hmm. totally obvious that this is way too small of an area for him. Yeah, um, that was, was kind of yeah. kind of like how they laid that out. Um, and then really the ending is where it really starts to get crazy the last 30 minutes or so. I mean, when basically this is a spoiler, big spoiler, but basically Kevin Garnett sells the gym back to Howard. Howard gets it back or no, sorry. Howard sells the gym to Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett gives him the money. And then literally not more than two minutes later, Howie decides that he's going to go bet the money on the game that KG is playing in that evening. And really from that point, that's when it gets wild. When, when, uh, Howard is like, KG, you're going to have a good game tonight. Look at these, look at these lines. Like they've only got you going for this many points and they're saying, you're not going to win. You guys are going to freaking roll the Sixers. Like, come on. Um, um, so I think from that point on is when it really starts to get crazy because then he sends Julia off to Vegas to place the bet and she has to place the bet and hang out with that weird old guy that's all tanned up I'm, for whatever reason. So, um, But that was another like of my movie, uh, of the movie. And I also wanted to point out the auction scene in this movie really stresses me out. Um, that's one of the most stressful ones for me yes. when uh, Howard has one of his family members come to bet against Kevin Garnett 
and then Kevin Garnett stops betting and they have to just pay for it and take it back. So <laughs> that's one of the more intense scenes for me. So those are my likes. Again, I did really like this. I think at the end of 2019 for our best of 2019 list, I either had this on my top 10 or it was right outside of my top 10. Like you, I think it was your runner. It was, it was yeah, one of your runner ups. ups. So I definitely was one of my favorite yeah. movies I saw in 2019. Um, but I know you do not feel that way. So with that, we'll move into the, the dislikes Sorry. for this movie. And obviously on the last episode, the lovebirds, I had more dislikes about that movie. We've kind of flipped it here that you have some mm-hmm. more about this one, but what are some of your main dislikes with with this movie so i i did want to tell you i double checked fact checked uh martin scorsese was an executive producer he and his producing partner emma uh they were attached to this film anyway um so i think this movie i don't want i shouldn't worry what people think but i don't want people to think i can't understand or like gritty dramas i love dramas i love gritty things like i love goodfellas i just rewatched you like once upon a time in hollywood which is very gritty so yeah i love stuff like that like it's not the violence to me my my biggest gripe with this film was i don't think this film could figure out what it was about it couldn't stick to one thing so like the music is a perfect example I thought the music sounded like it was from a Scorsese film made in the 80s. Like it was so bizarre to me that this film was primarily set in 2012 and the music was like 80s music. It did not add up except for the it weekend pops up for five minutes. Which even that. Yeah. Which even that I thought did this song. I'm sure they figured that out. But I, I wondered, like, did this song was this even out when this movie? Yeah when 2012 happened, like, I don't even know if that's right. Um, and I like the weekend, but I'm not a big enough fan to care about that. But, um, I felt like the music didn't add up. The clothing was weird. And I know part of that is like, he's supposed to be the smarmy jeweler who's from like Brooklyn or Queens or somewhere. Like I get that, but even the clothing was weird. I understand that he had Gucci shirts and stuff in the back, but I thought, why is he not wearing those shirts? Why is he wearing crappy clothes when he owns this high end, Uh, couture stuff and then I also felt like the jewelry store I think it's cool that you like the set and I do think there's jewelry stores like that but even that felt out of place to me I thought this shouldn't be located here I feel like this would be somewhere else it was just I I felt like it couldn't there wasn't a decision and the plot to me was almost too basic like in a way I was really amazed that they took this plot of just like he got this gym he sold it to someone. He needs to get it back. That's the plot. It really is. Yeah. But I do think it's impressive that they made it into a bigger story. But I also hated that there were so many storylines that are completely unresolved. Like the son. I mentioned to you, like the son finds out he's having an affair. He doesn't know the parents like Adam Sandler is going to get divorced to indeed like yeah. Adina Menzel. They're going to get divorced. But the son figures out he's sleeping with somebody else. But they never nothing ever comes of it. Like, he's just like, don't tell your mom and they move on. And then, so we don't see what that does to the son. We never see him getting caught for having an affair. We never see Adina Menzel finds him naked in the trunk of a car. She never asks questions about how he got there. She never asks if he's okay. And it never comes up Mm -hmm. again. It's just like completely unresolved. We never figure out why they're getting divorced. We never figure out why this particular brother-in-law or brother or whoever uh, Arno is, why he has a bone to pick with Adam Sandler's character. There's just so much stuff that I was like, what is going on? Um, And then another thing I hated a scene that I thought was completely stupid at the very beginning, he's getting a colonoscopy 
And they did at least answer he had to get a colonoscopy because his father died of colon cancer. So he's terrified he's going to get it. But he gets a call that he doesn't have colon cancer. And this first five or 10 minutes of the movie is this colonoscopy. And you actually see a scope in a colon, which I don't particularly want to see, especially at the beginning of a film. And then it goes to this place in Ethiopia where there's people, slaves, essentially digging up like so much of it. I thought, what is happening and the colonoscopy, nothing ever comes of it. You just find out he had to get one. And I thought, why is this in the film? And at first I was like, maybe this is thrown in because Adam Sandler always does like uncomfortable, bizarre fart jokes. Mm-hmm. And to me, like ridiculous, lowbrow humor. And but it didn't. It seemed to have nothing to do with it. It was just thrown in to be bizarre. So I'm super sorry. I was such on such a roll no, there. Okay. But that was my biggest gripe with the film is so much was unresolved. And I felt like they just did not settle on one. This is our story. Here's our music. Everything's cohesive. I can understand that for sure. I also don't like the colonoscopy scene. That was That's a dislike of mine, too. Mm-hmm. The whole first 10 Ugh. minutes just is weird how it gets into it. Like, you have that, and then you have, like, the tight... Yeah. They, like, then it changes from that to, like, CGI animated, like, going through. But nothing's, like, yeah. pop... And it's like an but acid trip. But nothing's popping up. No cast is popping up. No title. It's just nope. like, because all that's done nope. once the movie starts. Um, but yeah, and then the, the the things in Ethiopia and then getting to Adam Sandler after that. But yeah, that first like 10 minutes is very kind of weird how it's laid out. So also yep. I know you didn't yep. like uh, Adina Menzel and, and Julia Fox's character in this. Um, they're both kind of, no. I mean, Julia Fox's character is kind of sleazy in general. Um, and Dina Mandel doesn't really yeah. have a lot to be happy about in this movie. So I can understand Mm-mm. those. Well, it's it's more like I wanted to like someone, but there was no redeeming character. Not really. Even even the sweet guy that helps, I, I do forget his name, but the, the character in the film that Judd Hirsch plays, uh, even he kind of, I thought he was going to be sweet, but you don't even get to know him enough to know if he's a good guy or if he like goes along to auctions and stuff and helps Adam Sandler mm-hmm. scam people. I don't know. Um, so everyone was a sleaze bag, even the weekend. I don't know if that was true to his real persona. It might be, but I was like, this guy sucks. So I, I hated that. And then I just hated that. Um, I kept thinking, I know I told you, Jared, before we were recording, I I really, really tried to keep an open mind for the two hours of this film. The last 15 minutes, I was like, I'm done. I can't like nothing because everything went bananas. But also I wanted people to grow and change. I wanted some relief. I wanted the tension to stop. I wanted something to be resolved. And I get that that's probably their point. The Safdie brothers are probably trying to do like a clockwork orange where there's just no relief and you just hate your life at the end. But that's just not the type of film that I need right now. And so I know that that affected my outlook, but also I just, I want to see people change. Even if it's for the, like they, they all go different directions. Some get better, some get worse. That's fine. But these people all sucked and they sucked at the beginning and they sucked at the end. There was just no change. Yeah, I can I can understand that point, how you, a lot of storylines, like you said, don't get resolved. Nobody gets any redeeming qualities at the end. Anything mm-hmm. like you think that Howard might because like, He's you at the end. Right. You're like, OK, KG's going to pay him for the Opal. He's going to get the money. He's going to pay the guys off that have been on his back and he's yep. going to go on with his life. And what's he decided to do? He decides to take that money. And before it's even, you know, been cold from KG's hands touching it, he decides he's right. going to bet it on a, a game and try to, you know, make more, which he does in the end. But then the end of the movie, obviously, 
doesn't turn out great for him, which we'll talk about real quick here, and then we'll give our grades. So the end of the movie, again, spoiler alert, um, if you've seen it, you know that Howard's character gets shot at the end of the movie. They're watching the game on the television. The game ends. He unlocks the the double-paned glass door um, and lets those guys into the jewelry store once again, and the one guy just immediately shoots him. And the other guy is kind of like, what are you doing? Which kind of makes sense because like he had 175000 or whatever. Now he has like $1.2 million. So he's obviously going to be able to pay mm-hmm. you back and probably more. Um, but I guess that guy just yep. thought he's ne- he hasn't paid his back yet. He's not going to do it at this point. Um, so he just shoots him. He dies. And then, you know, they rob the jewelry store. And that's basically the end of the movie. You don't know. You see Julia Fox, um, her character in Vegas, getting into the limo. And they, they you know, drive away or whatever with the money. But you don't know what happened with that when they got back. You don't, you know, Adina Menzel's character, you never see that part of her finding out that her husband's dead and the kids and all that. It just really ends right there. So, and you said that you kind of had that figured out, you know, with about 30 minutes left when they're locked up in that vestibule or whatever, you thought that it was probably going to (laughs) happen. Well, especially the the Scorsese connection and then also the fact that that man had been the one that shoots him had been horrible the entire time. And I could just tell he was one of those people that unfortunately we see too much on the news now that just they're filled with rage and there's no talking them down. So I felt like he'd made his decision. And I think the last thing I definitely wanted to mention that I, I really struggled with the language. Um, the F bomb, listen, people say it it's, it's an everyday language. I don't always agree with it. I'm guilty of saying it, but the N word and the F word came up so many times. And especially with what's happening now, I was like, this is just completely unnecessary. Like I even understand. And it was all, I mean, to, to that did help me. It was, it was always black people if they said the N word, but the fact that it was said so many times and in such a derogatory way, I was like, this just isn't, why are we saying this? And if you don't want people to say it, don't like, why is it in this film this much? Um, but the F word too, like, I'm quite serious. If you have kids, I, I would not watch this until they are passed out asleep. No, because I just looked it up and it's, it's the F word is used 408 times in this movie. That is seventh mm-hmm. most all time for a movie. Um, the most in a recent movie was Wolf of Wall Street back in 2013, which kind of makes <laughs> sense because it's in there a lot too. But yeah, this is definitely, I mean, this is a top 10 movie for how much yep. it cusses basically. So um, yeah, it is definitely not like yeah. family friendly at all. And like you said, I think that'd be one of my sort of dislikes too. The language, I get using it at points, but like it really does get excessive in this movie with them using it every mm-hmm. other sentence or you know something like that so and with yep. that we'll go ahead and move on to our grades so i guess i'll <laughs> go first here for uncut gems i'm gonna give it an 87 out of 100 again this is my second time watching it it was just outside my top 10 last year i do really enjoy it i like the sports aspect of it um i think it's it's action-packed and tense till the very end which is kind of cool um, and I do like the, the style and things like that, but I can see why people don't like it. Katie obviously being one of them, but I can see, I think the thoughts on this movie are kind of, you either mm-hmm. really like it or you really don't like it. There's not a lot of people in the middle. I think that's seen by the, the critics and the Rotten Tomatoes scores of audience and critics, how that's so split. So mine's closer to the critics, not near, and not as high as them at a 92, <laughs> but I'm going to go with the 87 for this movie. 
Yes. So mine, um, I, I'm trying very hard not to apologize because I feel the way that I feel. So I would just like to say I appreciate you letting me get so heated, <laughs> listeners and Jared. Um, yeah, this just wasn't my favorite. Um, I think I've explained it as adequately as I can, um, but I'm going to give it a 66. Okay. I feel like that was generous. Yeah, for- <laughs> um, but I... That is higher than it's it's the second lowest score I've okay. ever given. Um, I gave it one point higher than the lighthouse only because if I had to watch one of these again, I would watch Uncut Gems again only okay. barely. But um, that's just how I feel for all the reasons I stated. It's just not a movie that to me provoked any. Um, it only provoked negative feelings. And I felt like I didn't learn from it. I can't relate to it. And it just wasn't a movie I think was necessary to my life. There you go. That's our review on Uncut Gems. I really liked it. Katie, not a huge fan. It's on <laughs> Netflix right now. You can check it out. If you, you know, the only thing you're wasting if you watch it is two hours of your time because you didn't have to go to a theater and, and see it. So, that's it. Um, and that's our review of Uncut Gems. And coming up here on the Silver Screen Podcast, like we said at the beginning, we're going to try to focus for the next couple of weeks on movies that have a predominantly black cast or directed by people of color things like that. So the one we're going to do on the next episode, which is one that we did not see that came out last year, but we both wanted to just didn't get around to seeing it or reviewing it is just mercy with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Also Brie Larson is in that. And Warner brothers has made that free on streaming services right now. So Google play, Amazon prime, Redbox. Now it's, it is still charged on some. So you want to make sure that you find it for free because they do have it for free. You can also just go to just and it is right there just in a web browser for you to watch, basically. So you can check it out there, too. So they're doing that all for the month of June. So we wanted to definitely talk about that one. Then we're also going to review the new Spike Lee movie, The Five Bloods, here on the show that comes out on Netflix soon. And we're also going to do The Help, which is on Netflix as well. So those are our next Woo-hoo. couple of movies that we'll be reviewing here on the Silver Screen Podcast. And you can listen to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those places. Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen. That really helps us out. And then you can follow us on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. And just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and you will find us. And next episode, we'll be talking about Just Mercy. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> <laughs>